When something like this happens to you or to somebody that you know, a magnifying glass is held up to who you are and what your mark is on the world, on people. The millennial generation is as follows. Welcome to Surrounded by Idiots Radio Podcast. Hey, glad to have you back. This is Tony Dufresne. This is the Surrounded by Idiots Radio Podcast. I am uh, back. I know it's been about a week and a half or so. I've got a good one for you this week. Uh, actually, it's about my uh, life over the past couple of weeks. It's a story about a dentist, the Hoover Dam, and lives changed overnight. It was uh, a couple weeks ago, and my daughter had been have not feeling very well for the past, I don't know, six weeks or so. And she called me up and she said, you know, I've had this bleeding gum issue. My gums have been bleeding for a while, and I'm uh, going to go into the dentist. I said, well, you know, great idea. I'll have him figure out what the deal is. So she went into the dentist thinking that it was probably, you know, gingivitis or some basic reason for the bleeding gums. And the dentist indicated that that was not the case and that it could possibly be diabetes. Well, if you know anything about diabetes, there's two types. There's type 1 and type 2. Type 1 is uh, something that's with you. I mean, that's the one that the the kid's diabetes is usually a type 1. I think it's called juvenile. And uh, it's just one of those genetic uh, things that happen. Uh, The other type of uh, diabetes is type 2, which usually comes from – it's adult onset usually. And it comes from people not taking care of themselves, eating crappy and uh, blood sugar issues uh, resulting from that. She's extremely healthy. She eats fantastic, cleaner than I do. And she's never had diabetes in her life in terms of a type 1 thing. So that was probably a stretch. And uh, so when he said that, of course, she called me. She was very concerned about the diabetes thing. And I reassured her that this is not going to be the case. There's got to be something else. So what the dentist did was uh, he recommended that she go get a some blood work done. Uh, just to see what the deal was. So she had a friend of hers, because at this point, I don't think she has a general practitioner. She's got a friend that she talks to quite a bit, one of her best friends. And she had referred her to this uh, general practitioner over down by where my daughter lives. Uh, She went in and uh, got the blood work done and then was waiting for the blood work. So this is a couple Tuesdays ago. And the next day, the next morning, I was leaving for Las Vegas because I have a place out there and I have a place here in Scottsdale. And I go back and forth because my girlfriend's out there. And on that Tuesday before I left for Vegas, I talked to my daughter and I said, well, just let me know what's going on when you get the blood work back. Uh, And she just had done that that day. So Wednesday morning, I climb in the car and I take my four and a half hour drive to Las Vegas Now, during this week, it was spring break for her two daughters. Her daughters are 14 and 16, and she's really great about creating these activities and these specific memories, which in hindsight, I didn't do that as much with my daughter, and I really wish I did. And as something that uh, I would suggest highly to you when or if you have kids is to make things kind of goofy and weird and fun. Now, for instance... This pat this situation when I went out there, we were going to do for three or four days straight. We were going to do a Wild West spring break, and it's because she didn't take her kids anywhere for their spring break. 
Other people were going out to San Diego or going to Cabo and she was at home and she wanted to make it kind of a special goofy thing, which included bandanas, cowboy hats, and everybody got a chance to be sheriff for one day and to be able to make some choices in terms of what we were going to do. And they had to wear this big old shiny sheriff's badge (laughs) in public with the bandanas and with the hats. So it was Wednesday morning and I, again, I climbed to the car and I drove out to Vegas. Now, four and a half hours later, I get there. Then it's off to the Wild West Spring Break activity for that day, which happened to be going to a ghost town. Now, that ghost town is not necessarily that close. So I drove four and a half hours to Vegas. Now I'm driving another two, two and a half hours into California and we go to the Calico ghost town. For the record, wasn't that bad. I thought it was going to be kind of a touristy thing, but it wasn't that bad. So we get there, and we're walking around and having a good time. And at the same time that's happening, my daughter is going in and getting her blood work done at the doctor that her friend recommended. My daughter, historically, over the years, has had ups and downs with health, and she hasn't felt very well. And so it's not necessarily a boy who cried wolf thing, but I tend to let things play out with her if she doesn't feel well. And usually she starts feeling a little bit better. And so I just at that time in Calico Ghost Town in California, I had indicated to her, you know, you're not feeling well. Just let the blood work come back and we'll see what's uh, what the deal is and what we need to do. So I enjoyed the rest of my day at Calico, drove another two and a half hours back to Las Vegas. And mind you, this is the same day I drove out there. So it's still Wednesday. And we get back and we have a nice evening. Thursday morning rolls around and the plan for Thursday morning, because uh, somebody else was sheriff and they decided on the new activity, it was to go to the Hoover Dam. Now, if you know about Las Vegas in the area, you know Hoover Dam is one of the largest dams, I think it's one of the largest dams in the world. And it's very, very popular. As a matter of fact, it's been in a ton of different movies. The one that I can specifically remember is Fool's Rush In with Sama Hayek and Matthew Perry and where she would cross over the dam from Arizona to Nevada because she lives in Vegas. So Thursday morning, we've got plans to go to Hoover Dam. I get a call before we leave while we're still at their house from my daughter. And she is saying that the blood work came back. It came back really quickly. And the doctor called her up right away and indicated that it could be, could be acute leukemia. Now, if you know anything about leukemia, which is a blood cancer, and it's a it's a very severe blood cancer, is probably more than I even know because at the time I thought there's no possible way that you could be fine and healthy one day, and then all of a sudden the next day you've got acute leukemia. I mean, whatever that is specifically because I, I didn't know. Of course, thinking about cancer, I had these thoughts about seeing the signs ahead of time, or it being a genetic thing where you get the stuff from your parents and there really isn't any issues in terms of that type of cancer in our family at all on either side. So she's freaking out, of course, rightfully so, because somebody just told her she has leukemia. I'm trying to talk her off the ledge, but the doctor told her at that time, he said, you should immediately go to the emergency room over at a hospital here in the valley that specializes in leukemia. So she was being driven over to the emergency room in Phoenix, and I was heading off to the Hoover Dam on the Arizona-Nevada border. 
obviously thinking that she would go there and then they would do a more extensive blood panel test on her and it wouldn't be this crazy leukemia thing. So we get to the Hoover Dam and as me and my girlfriend and her two daughters are walking across the dam, I'm literally in the middle of the dam, right on the state border of Arizona and Nevada, right where if you saw Fools Rush In, the movie, that is where at at the end, spoiler alert, she he stops her in the car and it's raining and she has the baby. I'm in that exact spot on the dam. I get a call from my daughter's husband indicating that they have done the blood work. It is indeed acute leukemia and she has to immediately be admitted up to the oncology floor of the hospital and she's going to start chemotherapy the next day. So that was something. (laughs) Of course, at that time, I really don't remember. I sort of zoned out a little bit thinking that, okay, well, that is what it is. And still at this point, I'm really confused thinking that leukemia is something that is, you know, genetic or there would be some sort of indication. And I, I was in a bit of denial at that point thinking, how is that even possible? So when her husband did talk to me, he indicated that I should come back like immediately. So I let my girlfriend know and let her daughters know, and they were very understanding. And we got back to the car, climbed in the car, drove another half an hour back to Vegas. Remind you, this is the day after I drove out. Then we drove to California. Then we drove back. Uh, so I was in the car for what? Four and a half, nine hours, nine and a half hours. This is the next morning we drove out, uh, 45 minutes to the Hoover Dam. We drove 45 minutes back to Vegas. I got all my stuff together. Then I drove, then I got in the car and drove back to Phoenix. And it took me about five or five and a half hours because I was going, it was dark at that time. And then I had to hit traffic. So that night I rolled into the hospital at about 11 o'clock, went up to the room and my daughter and her husband were there. And my role over her life has typically been the just chill and let's see what happens because there's a lot of stuff that can or could. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that might not or won't and you don't know in the moment. And so speculating on worst case scenario or what ifs uh, is a horrible way to go about things. Plus the fact that it puts anybody's body in a reaction mode and it heightens the stress levels. It heightens the cortisol you know, those, those stress hormones, and it doesn't help your body to relax and allow its, it to function as best it can, especially in moments like that. So we had a nice long talk and I went home that night because there was a meeting with the doctor the next morning to discuss the treatment plan and what we were going to have to do. So I got back to the hospital the next morning. This was Friday morning at about 10 o'clock. We had a meeting with a doctor and he's fantastic. And the staff is fantastic just for the record. And he sat down with us. It was a group of family members and went over what the situation was. Come to find out there's two major types of leukemia. And I won't go into all this stuff, but just to give you kind of a background, there's acute and there's chronic. I guess chronic is something obviously that lasts or goes on for a long time. It's sort of a maintenance thing in terms of treating it. And a lot of people have lived with it for quite some time. And there's then there's kind of offshoots of the chronic. Then there's acute. And acute is basically exactly what it is. It's acute. It comes out of nowhere. 
and there's no genetic correlation, which means there's no, because your family has it, you have a possibility of getting it. It literally happens out of the blue. And what the doctor had told us is, is that people have a three in a 100,000 chance of getting something like this, like a lotto pick in a bad way. So she happened to pick a bad lotto ticket on this thing. And that's exactly what she had. And then he laid out the procedure. And the procedure was for chemotherapy to start immediately, which it started that night. And the way they're treating this, they'll do this five days of major chemotherapy, which is a combination of chemicals that that literally kill off the bad cells as well as the a lot of the good cells. So it wipes you out. And leukemia is a blood cancer. Your bones create your blood. And so the leukemia has to get into the bones and kill off all of these stem cells, which are creating your red blood cells and your white blood cells and your platelets. So because of that, and because it's such a strong blast of chemicals, she has to be in the hospital for a month straight with two worst parts for her. The, the, the number two worst part is the fact that she's going to lose her hair. And uh, actually that ju- it's happening now and she just had a shaving party and had a bunch of people there. And it's a very traumatic thing, regardless if you're a guy or a girl, you know, losing your hair is, it, it's almost a realization that you are in this thing and this is actually happening to you. But actually the worst part was the fact that she can't see her kids for a month because kids are little Petri dishes. And this is such a highly susceptible situation to where any little virus, because she has no immune system, any little virus can get in there and do some real damage. And she would have an extremely difficult time fighting it that she's not able to see her kids for a month. I don't care if you're a parent or you're not, if you can imagine not seeing your loved one for an entire month, that's a rough go. It certainly created a lot more empathy for more so her, but for me as well, about people who go off to serve in the military and they're gone for a year at a time. I mean, that has to be, you know, you see it and they come back and they have these amazingly fantastic welcome backs and the hugs and the kisses and all that. And you think that's great. But like anything else in life, if you don't live through it, you just don't get all of it until you live through a little bit of that. And this is a month and it's rough. So I can't even imagine it for an entire year. And so after the 30 days, there's the process goes about eight or nine months and there's a lot to it and includes a stem cell replacement therapy where she has to get brand new stem cells from a donor that's a match. All of these things, I'd I'd like to stress, I had no idea existed. I had no idea about donor matches and blood stuff. I had no idea that they know so much about this because the research has been so extensive on this that they know if they have, if there's a derivative of a chromosome and it's flipped, then they have this much of a chance for the initial round of chemo to work. And And if they don't have that, then they've got to go through the stem cell. And they have determined that right from the outset that she has the certain genetic makeup to where they're going to have to do this 30-day. Then there's going to have to be a couple follow-ups. And then she's going to have to go in for another month up at the Mayo Clinic, which is one of the best in the world, to do stem cell replacement, which is replacing all the stem cells in the bone so they can basically create a taking an engine out of a car 
and replacing it with a brand new engine to power the car. They're going to give her brand new stem cells from a donor that has a gene match of these 10 specific genes. Once they do that, then she'll start generating these. And the fascinating part about this is if she's an O positive, which I think that's what we are in terms of blood type, then whatever the donor's blood type is, that's what she's going to become. So if the donor's an A, then she'll become an A blood type. Isn't that trippy? Because that's the type that's going to be made in her bones. And the donors can be different blood types. It's just all the stuff is so fascinating. And medical research and what has been accomplished in the last 10 to 20 years is mind-blowing. So that leads me up to today. It's been a couple weeks. And I have to say, overall, she has gotten some really great news at every little step along the way. It's great that she's young. She's 27. It's a lot easier to fight it. The The median age, the the average age for somebody that has acute, that gets this acute leukemia is 68. So it's random that she has it. But because she's a young adult, she's in the best possible place to, for her body to regenerate and to fight this thing. The first round of chemo went well. It wiped it out. She's got a couple more weeks left in the hospital. She's handling things like an absolute trooper. She is a warrior. And there is more support than she can ever imagine. That's one of the takeaways I would like to talk about. When something like this happens to you or to somebody that you know, a magnifying glass is held up to who you are and what your mark is on the world, on people. And seeing the amount of love and support from so many people, from so many different places, from so many different aspects of life from the worlds that you live in you've got your the world when you're young and then the world when you're in sports the world when you're in dance the world now the world when she's been a teacher her teaching world her family world all of these worlds coming together and having so much love and support from everybody really shows on the type of person that she is and the mark she, she has made in the world and I was talking to her and it was almost like Jimmy Stewart in It's a Wonderful Life, if you haven't seen that Christmas classic movie, it's the whole thing about him wishing he wasn't ever born. And this angel gave him the wish, and he rolled around, and he saw how shitty the world was uh, because he wasn't born. And when all that changed back into real life, he realized that he does matter, and he does make a huge imprint on people. And that's a big takeaway that I have embraced And I would hope that you would understand, because if you are listening to this right now, then you care about yourself and you care about other people and you want to be the best version of yourself. And I will tell you now, without even sitting down and having a coffee with you yet, is that you absolutely positively matter and you absolutely positively are making a positive impact on this world. I can say that. With no reservations at all. Because if you're sitting down here with me and we're sharing this together, then I got you. There are three little takeaways outside of that that I would like to share with you about this story. The first thing is, is that, you know, you'll never be ready for stuff that can happen. I had an ex of mine and her one big flaw was the fact that she would always be one of those worst-case scenario people. And it just killed her, and it killed the relationship. 
you can't brace against a storm when you don't know what direction it's coming from. Because then you're putting all your effort into planting your foot in a particular direction or focusing all your efforts in a particular direction where a storm, whenever it comes, if it does or doesn't, you may never know where and when and how and what from what direction. So it's it's pointless to sit there and spend your life, any point, any time of your life, embracing for something that's a possibility without a strong probability. And the possibility-probability thing is a really important concept, and here's what it is. The possibility of me walking outside right now and getting hit by a bolt of lightning, there is a possibility. There's a possibility of it happening to you. There's a possibility that you walking outside and finding a $100 bill on the ground is a possibility, right? Anything's possible, or most anything. The probability of that is the chance. That's the probability. It's buying a lotto ticket. You have a possibility of winning. That's why they sell them. The probability of you winning is the odds. Will you? Probably not. (laughs) But that's the probability. So it's the whole thing about sitting there and trying to be ready for things in your life or trying to brace against things that might happen to you with a probability of it being really low. And that's the one thing that takes so much time and effort. I've worked with people so often a big hang-up that they don't even know that they have is that they are putting so much effort and focus and stress and energy into a thing with such a low probability level. Sure, it could be possible that you're you know, going to flunk out of school. It could be possible that you get fired. It could be possible that your significant other is going to leave. It could be possible that your kid hates you. The probability of all of those things more than likely is probably really low. So don't get caught up in that. The second takeaway that I have is focus on what is instead of what if. I hate the what ifs because what if again ties into the whole possibility probability thing. What if this? What if that? Well, you know, the one thing I realized in talking to my daughter and talking her off the ledge at certain times And getting to the hospital and going through all this is focus on what is now. What is the case? What is the reality? It is that, you know, you've got this and you're fighting it and you're in a great location and there are people that care about you. That's the focus. The what if in regards to what if this doesn't work? What if that doesn't work? What if I have something that's incurable? What if I can't find a donor? What the the, those will kill you. And it happens all of the time with a lot of people. And even if you're a very optimistic person, the what-ifs always crawl in, depending upon the situation. But the key is understanding that when they do crawl in, pattern interrupts, pattern interrupt out of the what-ifs into what is now, and focus on that. What can you do now? What's the reality now? When you cross that bridge, any of the what-ifs kind of happen, positive or negatively, then you deal with them at that time. But it's pointless. Too much energy, too much stress, too much anxiety is put into the what-ifs. Try to keep those out. The third and the last takeaway I have on all of this is, interestingly enough and surprisingly enough, there's a benefit to all of this. 
The benefit I'm speaking of is value. And it's about valuing life. I'm not the type that philosophizes in terms of every moment is precious and thank God for every moment of life. I mean, that's a great thing. But in the moment when you're when you're halfway through your workout and you're yelling at your trainer or you're sitting in the dentist chair getting something drilled out of your head, you know, those are the times that I'm not going to be valuing that particular moment for what it is. It's more of a coping skills, but it's an overall picture of valuing life and how it can change so quickly. The benefit in realizing the fragility of our existence here is a big one because it certainly makes you appreciate things, what you have, and you appreciate the people that are around you, your tribe, the people that you care about, and the people that care about you. That is my story about a dentist, the Hoover Dam, and lives changed overnight. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions or comments, anything fun, any story of your own, please let me know. I'm always interested about that. You can reach me at Tony at javabud.com, J-A-V-A-B-U-D.com. I like coffee and I like being a buddy. That's where the Java Bud comes from. The website's got a podcast, some videos, some giveaway stuff. I've got some fun stuff coming up that have been kind of backburnered here over the last couple of weeks, but I'll get back on track with that. When something comes into your life that gives you a little bit of a detour or stalls you out, don't let it slip away. Get back to it when you can. I hope things are great with you. I will talk to you soon.